I think at our stage and anyone who's at a similar pre-seed stage, it's unlikely that you're going to convince someone of an opportunity that they're not already aware of. More likely is someone's familiar with the problem says, oh, I, I think your solution's interesting and I believe in you. So I'm going to give you some, some money to go after it. Hey, this is Jesse here, and you're about to hear my discussion with Tori from Units, which is daily fantasy sports for the curious fan. In this episode, Tori talks about how Units is introducing storylines and narrative to DFS, his take on the current regulatory scrutiny of DFS games and what it all means for Units, and why he's so encouraged at the early response from users since launching at the start of this NFL season. Tori was a fantastic guest, and I hope you enjoy this one as much as I did. But a quick word before we get going, the much-anticipated Next Summit New York event returns March 6th and 7th, 2024 in a new state-of-the-art venue in Manhattan's Financial District. With over 1,000 senior delegates expected, the summit is focused on connecting startups with investors and operators with suppliers, which makes it the conference where serious business gets done. Tickets are now available, and I would encourage you to grab yours sooner than later as a conference sold out each of the last two years. Grab yours now by visiting www.next.io, and I'll see you there. All right, we are back with episode 87 of the Betting Startups Podcast, which is our post-G2E edition. And first things first, wouldn't be a week in Vegas without coming home with a raspy voice and a runny nose. So apologies in advance if I sound like I've been smoking three packs of cigarettes a day. I assure you I haven't, but I'll do my best to get through this. I also want to mention up front that this is the first episode I've recorded since October 7th, which unfortunately is a day that many people will not forget and for all the wrong reasons. There are many people in the industry with ties to Israel and many that are members of the Jewish community. And I know all of them are experiencing deep pain with the atrocities committed on that day. I just want to mention that, you know, my heart is with all of you, your families and your loved ones, and hope that your pain can slowly start to heal with the passage of some time. And yeah, not much more to, to say about that, but I, I just wanted to acknowledge that up front. With all of that out of the way, I am excited to welcome Tori from Units, which is the newest DFS offering to hit the market. Now, I'll admit that a new DFS offering in and of itself doesn't get me terribly excited these days, but this one hit my radar courtesy of Lloyd Danzig, who said I needed to connect with you, Tori. And if there's anybody in this industry with a higher signal than Lloyd, then I'm yet to meet them. So it was a no-brainer for us to jump on a call a few weeks ago and for me to learn more. And Really glad I did, least of which because quickly established that we hail from the same frozen tundra known as Winnipeg. So great to have you on the pod, Tori. Hopefully you're feeling better than I am after a hectic week at G2E. How are you doing here at the starting line of our conversation today? Feeling all right. Excited to be here. First G2E out of the way, but feel good about it. Definitely a bit of a sore throat, but hey, we're recovering, having some tea and uh, we'll be back to normal in a couple of days. 100%. Let's just start with a quick G2E retrospective. You know, it was just a few days ago, we all got home and caught up on some sleep over the weekend. And you mentioned it was your first one. So I always like to ask people, especially if it was their first one, kind of just what the overall experience was for you as a first time attendee. And maybe what were some of the, I guess, highlights or takeaways for you from the week? Yeah, I, uh, we're in our own little daily fantasy sports, real money gaming world. And sometimes that can mean that we're not exposed to uh, the broader gaming ecosystem. And you walk through the expo hall and you see all the vending machines and the felt maker or not the vending machine, but the slot machines and the, the felt makers and the dice makers. And it's just a, a reminder that there's a much broader ecosystem of people putting money behind uh, their favorite activities out there. Awesome. Any particular sort of highlights from the week for you or any sort of events that stood out to you or, or anything to that effect? 
Yeah, it's always great to to reconnect with people in the industry. I I got a compliment Geo Comply on uh, both their events, the Challenger Series on Sunday, and then the Welcome Party later that night. Both were great events, really well organized, a lot of fun, a lot of great faces out there. So those are two events that stuck out to me. Yeah, all plus one that both of those were awesome. Somehow I missed you at both of those, Tori, but nevertheless. <laughs> uh, those were fantastic. Uh, I was at the one this past May as well in New York, and this was a, a really strong, I, I think, evolution from the May event. And I understand GeoComply had plans to, to run it back again next May in New York. So looking forward to seeing what the next one brings. But yeah, definitely a highlight for my week as well. And frankly, it was one of the reasons I came into Vegas as early as I did was to be able to attend that. So it was definitely worthwhile. You know, units, I've been reading more and more about it since I was introduced to you about a month ago. As I say, I, I feel like I'm seeing your name pop up everywhere all of a sudden. So excited to have you here and to dive into everything you and your team are up to. But maybe just as a starting point, you can share with listeners a little bit about yourself. Tell us a bit about your background, maybe some of the stops along the way up until founding units. Yeah, absolutely. So I started my career in management consulting, did that for a couple of years, ended up spending a lot of time in in regulated industries outside of gaming um, and thought it was really interesting to think through how you can bring innovation to a highly regulated market. And so that's sort of the the subtext behind where I am today, but jumped to CAA Sports after that, where I was working primarily on sports media rights transactions. You can think as two Canadians can think, you know, NHL selling their TV rights to the ESPN and Turner, all the way down to working with the the World Arm Wrestling League on their media rights. And so Really interesting and really unique experience. And then from there, headed over to WSC Sports, uh, an Israeli Series D tech company that's focused on on automated highlight clipping. And between the time and at WSC and CAA, had sort of seen the rise of sports betting and, and real money gaming and through the lens of sports media, both live rights and highlights as well. And that sort of is the background or the backstory to, you know, thinking through and, and ultimately bringing units to life. Let's dive into that a little bit more in terms of the unit's origin story. Can you just talk a little bit more about, I guess, like what you were seeing in the landscape then? And I guess, what was sort of the impetus for you to sort of jump off the career ladder, if you will, and over to starting your own thing? And again, like what was it specifically about the opportunity you saw that sort of prompted that leap for you? Yeah, I grew up around entrepreneurship. Family on both sides had retail shops and definitely always had the itch to start something on my own. And I think you can't predict when that's going to happen necessarily. You have ticked around ideas over the years. You know, as a college student, had a bunch of ideas and tested them out and never really took off and wanted to get a bit of, of professional experience under my belt before jumping into something of my own, founding a company of my own. And I thought got great experience between consulting and being in sports for four years. And it just felt like the right time and the right opportunity. What I'd seen in the market was, you know, when in, in 2018 was when sports betting was legalized starting to help different clients out at CAA and then at WSC as well. And through that lens of sports media that I mentioned, I just saw this ecosystem in within gaming that was sort of devoid of all of the magic of sports, especially sports media that's focused on storytelling and getting fans excited about different narratives and thinking through different ways that, you know, you can sort of combine those experiences and iterated on a bunch of different versions of what units is today. And that's sort of the backstory of, you know, how do we bring the storytelling component the the magic of sports into the sports gaming or the real money gaming category. Nice. And that segues nicely then into a bit of a deep dive on units. So you sort of hinted at it there, but I'm curious again, if you can explain to listeners a little bit about what you're bringing to market with units that is different from the, you know, 20, whatever other DFS offerings that are currently out on the market and, you know, sort of who are you trying to reach and ultimately what does that differentiate or do you think will resonate with that audience? Yeah, absolutely. So the key differentiator with units is like you mentioned, daily fantasy app, but What's unique is that we're curating the number of markets available 
and then attaching original editorial content about players' individual stories, right? And the idea is that we can help fans focus in on the narratives that are most interesting that they should be paying attention to, you know, player A versus all the other players on that team or in that matchup because there's something uniquely relevant, whether it's a return from an injury or uh, a player going back to their hometown, a player going back to their old city, some sort of rivalry between two players, just helping fans focus in on the best stories, the, the best character-driven stories within sports and making it really easy for someone who might not be paying attention day-to-day to jump back in and get up to speed, or even someone who's a, a serious fan, a, a diehard fan, so to speak, but you know might not be aware of every single story that's out there. Hopefully we're able to share some new and novel information where you know we make you laugh, we, we help you learn something, but just making it really easy and, and simple to play daily fantasy. Interesting. So do you have a team of editorial writers that are sitting there sort of surfacing the, the storylines and the narratives around the day's games or sort of talk a little bit about, I guess, about how that interplays with the core game mechanic? Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm happy to talk about our sort of operational flow when it comes to creating content. So we do have editorial writers on staff. What they've done is create this sort of master sports calendar across all the major leagues all the major one-off events, biennial events, I should say. And we start to slot things in on a daily basis based on the themes that we know are really interesting to our users that fit well with games on national TV that have specific angles. And so we start to sort of piece together what amounts to a content calendar. And then as the days get closer, we find the markets to attach to it and work that way. And it's a, it's a pretty iterative process. But you know, as new storylines pop up, we try to make sure that we're catching in on all of them. Obviously, the Taylor Swift madness and Travis Kelsey has been really great to lean into. It's sort of the perfect story for what we're working on. And then there are also things like Tyrod Taylor starting to the Giants and it being a potential revenge game for him against the Bills. It all, you know, obviously didn't work out that way, but just making sure that we're really in touch with what's going on and in the conversation in sports, staying really close to to Twitter and all the places where people talk about the best stories in sports and making sure that we're hitting on those and sharing them with their audience. You know, I know it's early days. You guys launched at the start of NFL, so it's only been, uh, you know, a single digit number of weeks thus far. But like, what's some of the early feedback from users? And I guess ultimately, like, is this value prop resonating so far? Just sort of, I guess, what are you hearing from the early adopters of the product? Yeah, so far, the feedback's been really, really positive. Users had some great feedback on the way that we were framing up stories and how we were, you know, including statistics and other sort of hard information in addition to sort of the more anecdotal side or the, the part where we're talking about a player's personal narrative. So we iterated on that and haven't heard much in the way of negative feedback, mostly almost exclusively positive feedback on the, the way that we're writing our stories since then. But really the, the proof is in the pudding, right? And we are doing only organic, no paid acquisition of any sort. And the product spread really nicely. And not only that, we found this sort of core audience of users that are coming back day after day not placing entries for large sums, but the fact that we have someone who's coming back once a day, placing an entry once a day, reading the story, then reading not only the stories of the sports that they started on, but also expanding to new sports is really a positive indicator for, for where we're headed, that we can bring someone in because they want to read stories about the NFL, and then we could show them a story about Champions League and get them excited about that as well. There's really evidence to what we're doing that we can bring a little bit of narrative to a daily fantasy product and and get fans excited about what's on what's on the sports schedule. Yeah, nice. And you just sort of alluded to it, I guess, with some of the organic acquisition you've seen so far. But I guess sort of bigger picture and maybe longer term, like just generally, how are you thinking about user acquisition at scale? And I mean, look, you know, as I talk about with every B2C company on the podcast, 
it's notoriously uh, difficult and expensive to to acquire. So again, early days, but sort of how are you thinking about it right now? What's your sort of mental model around user acquisition? Yeah, one of the really nice things that we're excited about on the user acquisition front is the fact that we are creating this original content every single day. I think once we continue to prove the fans and we've proved it on a small scale that that our content resonates and that people enjoy reading it day after day. But once we do that on a much broader scale, then we'll actually have the ability for fans to and fans and users to come back on their own. They're not necessarily going to come back for what I would call a logistical reason, which is we sent them an offer, a promotion. They happen to have money in their account. They're actually coming back for the novelty that units offers, which is this original content. And that it speaks more to the retention side of things, but I also, I also think it applies to the acquisition side as well, where we've reliably proven that we tell fantastic stories across the, the wide world of sports and eventually we'll become known for that. And that'll help lower our, our acquisition costs over time and support retention as well. Nice. And then I guess just zooming out a little bit, I mean, you, as I said at the outset, are a new entrant in, in the DFS space, and you're sort of entering the space at a pretty interesting time with a little bit of, I guess, what I'll call drama um, in the space right now. And, you know, it's shining a bit of a light on DFS from a, a regulatory perspective. So I do want to ask about that, but maybe just before I do, Tori, can you just quickly sort of frame up uh, what you see as being the dynamic that's playing out right now? And for anybody listening that might not be familiar with kind of what what's happening on that side, can you just quickly break it down uh, for context? Yeah, what I've seen is a game format that's become really popular really quickly among fans because it's simple, it's reliable, it's easy to play. And that's all people want is something that's easy, fun, reliable. That's part of our mission here at Units is to create something that makes it easy for the everyday sports fan who's not used to competitive entertainment or real money gaming to partake in the ecosystem, right? There are conservatively 50 million sports fans in the US and the number of monthly actives across the existing ways to put money behind sports is acting quite small relative to the total number of sports fans. So that's sort of the backdrop for what's going on in the daily fantasy space or the daily fantasy 2.0 space, if you want to call it that. You know, there's been some regulatory pressure as well from states recently and happy to offer some perspective on that. Yeah, I was just going to ask, thank you for that, by the way. I was just going to ask sort of, how do you sort of think about what this means for units potentially and I guess, you know, as you're sitting there with, with your growth ambitions, I mean, how do you sort of think about that from a, I guess, a risk perspective, right? If some states are indeed looking to clamp down on this model or, or regulate it, what does that mean for you as, as you're looking to get out there and really grow the brand and the product across multiple states? I don't think it changes it a ton for us, honestly. We weren't in New York. We weren't intending on being in New York. Obviously, the news of Florida, I think, took some people by surprise, but again, these are going to be ongoing conversations for quite some time. And so I'm excited about the opportunity still. There's a huge market sitting out there. There's room for additional players and additional large-scale outcomes. And I view the game format that we're using as sort of a stopping point along the way of, of proving this behavior that what fans want is to read stories about their favorite players and then partake in a real money game, whether it's our format, a different format down the road or something else. I think is less important than proving out this core user behavior. Well, let's shift and talk a little bit about uh, just the fundraising side of all of this. And I know you raised a pre-seed round earlier this year, uh, shortly after you, you started Units. Can you just tell us a bit about, I guess, your experience on that roadshow and sort of with a new concept and particularly, you know, with the constrained capital markets? Like, what was that journey like for you? What was that experience like for you? And ultimately, you know, you secured the bag at the end of the day, but just give us a bit of a sense into sort of what that journey looked like. It's definitely a different time than 
what was happening in 2021, 2022. And in some ways, I, I like the joke that I wish I started the company a little bit earlier, just because the capital markets were a little bit different. But it, it was an interesting experience. It was my first time, time raising capital, learned a lot, learned about the importance of, you know, being able to share your mission and your vision, and especially how the capital is going to help you reach your milestones. I think those are the three most important things in, in raising money. And once we had those nailed down, I think it's more mostly just about getting enough reps up, getting enough, meeting enough people uh, that you find someone who's aligned with your mission and the vision and, and the opportunity that you're going after. I think at our stage and anyone who's at a similar pre-seed stage, it's unlikely that you're going to convince someone of an opportunity that they're not already aware of. More likely is someone's familiar with the problem says, oh, I, I think your solution's interesting and I believe in you. So I'm going to give you some, some money to go after it. But by and large, you're not going to convince someone of, of this new problem that exists and also get them to, to jump in at the same time, I think, just given the early stage of the business. Yeah, I actually just had the, the Q3 investor vibe check episode, I call it. And uh, one of the panelists on there might have even been Lloyd, actually sort of commented exactly to your point, Tori, which is at the earliest possible stage, right? Investors are more betting on the jockey than betting on the horse and, and recognizing that, you know, very much the bet being made is on, is on the person and recognizing that, you know, especially at that early stage, it's very likely that the product or the model or, you know, the go-to-market strategy will change and evolve. So really it is that, that entrepreneur that they're making the bet on and that entrepreneur's ability to adapt and sort of respond to the market feedback and make the, the necessary changes. So yeah, that really resonates. And I guess I'm curious too, of that pre-seed round, it's gotten you to where you're at now and all eyes are on NFL season, but are you guys looking ahead at another capital raise or what's your sort of thinking right now, I guess, just to continue to fuel the ambitions of the company? Yeah, so far... You know, we've, we've been in a good spot on the capital front. I think we'll attempt to raise some more capital in the near future. Now that we'll, we're coming up on, on two months of, of being live with real money gaming, we'll have some great data to show. I think it really changes the positioning of the story where, where we'll be able to say, Hey, not only do we have this theory about how the real money gaming landscape should look, there's evidence that, that people also agree with us. Another thing just on the fundraising side of it, and maybe more broadly, like investor relations, right? You actually shared a recent investor update with me um, that you sent out to your stakeholders. And it really struck me, you know, reading that, how important it is for founders to be in regular communication with their key stakeholders. And, you know, I think you're a great example of somebody that seems to be doing that exceptionally well so far. I'm just curious, like, you know, how are you thinking about this? And maybe why are you going to such great lengths and really over-indexing on sending these regular updates and really keeping the key people around you informed about not only the wins, but also the challenges of your business? Yeah, it's a great question. It's something that I personally enjoy doing. People have reached out to me and said, these are some of the best investor updates that I get. And for me, it, it serves two purposes. One is a little bit selfish and an accountability tool. I send it to some people that are relatively high up in a variety of industries and they may or may not be reading it, but just the thought of knowing that I'm sending it to them and need to hit the goals that I set out for the company every month, make sure that I hit those goals. And then the other reason that we do it is just sort of like the squeaky wheel gets the grease. I've had so much inbound support uh, when we ask for help or support. When we make ask, say, hey, we're looking for intros to this person, X, Y, and Z in this category, the amount of support that we've gotten from it's really incredible. And I think the more people that you can keep aware of what you're doing day to day and the challenges and struggles, the more people that can raise their hand and, and help out. You know, I guess for you as, as a first time founder and, and, you know, first year into your first business here, like early days, but like, wasn't the biggest surprise for you so far about starting and, and building a company, right? Uh, is there anything that's really jumped out to you so far that you didn't necessarily expect when you started all of this? 
Um, I think the number one thing that stood out for me is that the brand of places that you work doesn't necessarily carry over into entrepreneurship. CA is obviously a great brand. WSC is well-known within the sporting world. But when you're starting something of your own and you are now putting your Tory from units, the brand new company that no one's ever heard of, you, you kind of start over in improving your credibility, especially when it's a, a brand new business with no track record. And, you know, we've just finished up week six of the NFL season. So a lot of the regular season is still to play. But if you can sort of fast forward to the end of the season, Tori, and, and think about that moment. And when you look back on the NFL season, what would a successful first NFL season look like for units? I think, uh, you know, if we continue to add to our monthly active user base, scaled up, and I, I don't want to give specifics, but scaled up a couple of order, orders of magnitude from where we are right now that have been a really successful first NBA season. And I think will go a long way into providing evidence that we're, we're on the right track, that people want to read stories, want to interface with a, a simple user experience and are excited about the product that we're building. 100%. And just quickly speaking about the product, I actually meant to ask this earlier, so I'm coming back to it before we wrap today, but just on the product itself, right? It seems to me kind of looking at it that you and the team have really over-indexed on UX and, and just sort of clean design. And I've seen some recognition that you guys have already earned to that effect that's really sort of helped you stand out beyond the actual differentiator of sort of bringing that narrative into daily fantasy. And I guess I'm just sort of curious sort of how you think about the role of, of UX and, and good design and sort of what advantages that could potentially bring you as you look to scale the user base. Yeah, it's an interesting challenge. You know, when we, when we meet with people in person and watch them interact with the platform, we still see that it's not as intuitive as we'd like. We see confusion when, when users are clicking around. They don't know exactly what to do all the time. And I haven't done those same studies um, with other platforms, but I imagine it's even, even more of a difficulty for the average user to interact with a platform in our category. And so how we thought about it is like, how can we distill down real life game, like gaming to the simplest possible experience? How do we make it as easy as possible for them to transact with us? And the answer to that was the interface that we've built now, we leverage yes, no for questions instead of higher, lower, or something that might not be as intuitive. It's very easy to understand. Will this player have over 75 receiving yards today? Yes or no. So we try to write not only in natural language, but easily understood language. We try to keep it as simple as possible. There's no ability to scroll. You can't really do all that much in the app and it's by design. We're not asking for your time. We're asking you to read a couple quick stories, put an entry and get back to whatever you're, you are doing. And so we're continuing to test, but it, yes, to, to answer the question in one sentence, user interface and user experience is critical. And I think that's what will help unlock the next tranche of, of sports fans and help them enter into the, the real money gaming ecosystem. And then I guess if uh, you're sitting there with your crystal ball in front of you and you're looking five years into the future, in five years time, I guess in your wildest dreams, where is Units at that time? And sort of what does it represent within the wider gaming and fantasy landscape? Well, I don't know if I can share the, the truly wildest dreams because that's more of a 20-year project. But five years, you know, I'd, I'd hope that we've become the epicenter for telling the, the best stories in sports and getting people to transact in real time. And having proven out this model of read great story, make daily fantasy entry would be a great goal. And, and that user behavior known and acknowledged and sports fans across the US and perhaps even beyond are much more comfortable engaging in that sort of experience than they are today. 
Awesome. And then that brings us to my standard closing question. I'll quickly wrap it off to you. If you weren't working on units, if you weren't working in any previous career chapters in a parallel universe, what would you be doing instead? It's a good question. I don't know if this parallel universe has me as much of a sports fan as I am in, in this universe, but I, I love the ocean and the water. I have a, my PADI certification for scuba diving, love fishing, all this stuff. So I'd probably be doing something ocean, sea, lake related. I don't know if it's boat captain or deckhand or, or something like that, but probably uh, a little bit closer to the ocean. Awesome. Well, I guess getting out of Winnipeg was a good first start towards that goal. <laughs> Not too close to any ma major bodies of water. <laughs> For anybody listening that wants to get in touch with you and or check out the product, where can you point them towards to do all that? Sure. Our website is playunits.co. There's a emails to, to reach out for partnerships and other functions and people can find us there. And then I'll, I'll also share a link with you uh, that you can put in the show notes. Perfect. Well, Tori, look, it's been uh, great to, to chat with you more today about units. It was great to see you last week. Really wishing you and the team all the success. And for people listening to this episode, thank you for bearing with me and my ragged voice. I promise I'll be back in full form for the next one. Thanks again, Tori, for joining today. Thanks, Jesse, for having me on. Really appreciate it.